Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Victoria. (laughs) Hello, Hannah. Live from South East London. And northeast London. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, yeah, good. The sun is shining. Lockdown is easing. Nature is healing. All of those good things. By the time this comes out, lockdown easing will be old news. We're speaking to you from the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll be in a nightclub whilst you listen to this. <laughs> we won't. I have not been in a night- nightclub for like 10 years. Far too old. Cookbooks are my nightclub. <laughs> That's your new tattoo. <laughs> yeah, which I'll get now that lockdown is easing. <laughs> what have you been doing? Tell us about your things you've been loving. Things I've been loving. I wanted to give a shout out to some of the emails that we both love, I think, like foodie emails. We tweet them sometimes. They're just full of really good content. So there was a couple that I wanted to share with you all. <laughs> There's a Let's love. share. Um, Vittles. Mm. So good from Jonathan Nunn, edited by Jonathan Nunn, who writes for Eater. You love Jonathan Nunn, don't you? Yeah, would probably die for Jonathan Nunn, I'll be honest. So look me up, Johnny. <laughs> look me up, Johnny. It's lucky you're married already. <laughs> With lines like that. <laughs> Moving on. There's a paid version and there's a free version and they commission just really great food articles from amazing writers. They talk about how they pay them very transparently and it's just like everything. There was a really good one on a pizza place in Argentina recently or the culinary lives of our grandparents. I love that one. And it's just food stories from around the world. Subscribe. I mean, and also if you can afford it, you should pay them. Mm -hmm. I'm subscribed on Patreon or whatever and it's worth it because, yeah, 
they pay their contributors really, really fairly. And their illustrators, they have beautiful illustrations in a lot of their work as well. So that's a plug for Jonathan Nunn's Patreon. <laughs> that, that works better than your chat up line. <laughs> Pay them. Um, the second one is Alicia Kennedy, who, yeah. again, you've just introduced me to these two, actually, which are brilliant. All of her newsletters, the subject line is always on something. So the one recently was on veganism, which was really interesting about the origins of veganism and why not to go in on vegans so much, because I think they get a hard time. Just an excellent writer based in Puerto Rico. Again, she has a paid and a free version. So we're signing up to see if you like that just love her she's brilliant I find it also interesting with her because she's in Puerto Rico understanding how that food system works and how she lives and eats and is as a, as a food person there and a food writer and I think it's really fascinating because it's not a place that I know anything about so yeah also she's great on Instagram and Twitter too she's really good and the last one is one that we found recently it's because it's very relevant to cookbooks which you might not know but we kind of like them too um it's <laughs> stained page news again free version paid version and it's like weekly cookbook news of new cookbooks what's happening in the cookbook world she did one this week which was hilarious ahead of 420 on cookbooks about cooking with cannabis <laughs> and there's so many books about cooking with cannabis i don't know if you knew oh this but the best title goes to one called bong appetite <laughs> Yes, I love that. So that's another good one that's based in the States, I think, but is, yeah, really worth signing up to. So they are a few of our favourite things. A few of our favourite newsletters. We could do a whole episode on foodie newsletters that we love, but that is not for today. Today we're talking about another cookbook that is on our master list of lists, which is one that you probably have heard of, I would say. Yeah. And that is Mastering the Art of French Cooking by, by Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm very glad that you did that accent. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's right. <laughs> so before we get into the book itself, I'll just remind mm. you of what we do here. Victoria and I spent a little bit of time going through all the best cookbook lists online. We took all of the books on all of those lists, put them into one giant list and ranked them all. And we take the top few cookbooks from that list, the ones with the most mentions. We buy them, we read them, we cook from them, we rate them. That's, That's it. it. Boom, boom. <laughs> Wazzy, wazzy, woo, woo. Fish, bash, bash. <laughs> So Julia Child, should I tell you a little bit about her? Yes, please. The name is mainstream. She's very iconic, but I don't feel like I know much about her outside of the film Julia and Julia. Well, I feel like you kind of know her story there because it's quite it's quite similar, I think, to what you, you see about her. But she, yeah, she's fascinating. Did you know that you guys are quite similar in many ways? <laughs> No, but I'm looking forward to hearing how. Well, firstly, she's quite tall. Yes. She's six foot two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite that tall. Did she have her kitchen custom made or something? Did I, do I remember something about that? Yeah. Later on in life, basically when they moved back to the States, her and her husband, Paul, to save money, they did the kitchen themselves. But yeah, he uh, raised all the counters so that they would be higher for her because she's taller. Because in France, and we'll go into kind of her history, but yeah, in France there was all these videos and pictures of her like slumped over with like with like, bowls at like waist height and it must have been awful for her back yes yeah it's really really shit actually as a tall person in most standard kitchens they're they're just not high enough and I always get really bad shitty lower back pain so my dream is to have my own kitchen with like raised counters yeah I'll start a, a crowdfund on that <laughs> watch out for the link I'll give to that thanks yeah so 
as you said, she is iconic, largely responsible for the way America particularly cooks at home because she kind of changed the way that they do that. And here's how. <laughs> Gina Child, born in 1912, so a fairly wealthy family by all accounts. Her family had a cook, but that is not how she got into cooking. She didn't learn anything from that person who cooked for her family and she wasn't really interested in food. It wasn't until later when she met her husband, Paul, who had been raised in a family who was very interested in food that she got into food. And apparently he introduced her to fine cuisine because he had such a sophisticated palate. Wow. Well, he's Stanley Tucci in the film, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I adore that character. Because you can only imagine him as that, as him, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by all accounts, the two of them are the most serious like team. They really, they love each other, they don't love each other. They married for the time quite late. She was into her 30s, I think, when they met. <laughs> is, is this the other similarity with me? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> And there's all these accounts of her being like this, you know, spinster, whatever. The, the, and she had to go look after her dad and all this stuff. But we won't get into that. But luckily the war came. <laughs> she was able to find a job. Not the job she wanted because she was too tall to join the Navy. Can we just pause for a second and luckily the war came? <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> Julia Child. I'm glad it benefited someone. Anyway, she went to work um, in intelligence or something, but she wasn't a spy, apparently. We'll never know. Anyway, so she ended up in France due to her husband Paul's job. <laughs> so there's an article in the New York Times where she's describing her first meal at a restaurant in France, La Couronne, sorry about that pronunciation, as an opening up of the soul and the spirit for me. Wow. Have you ever had your, your soul opened up and spirit by a, a meal? Yeah, Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning. They get that a lot. Post pub, <laughs> Domino's, my soul and spirit were, yeah, really open. It's your go-to Domino's uh, topping for your spirit to be opened. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knows me would know that it would be, I'm very weird about it only being black olives. And <laughs> what? Sorry. What? That's all I want ever. <laughs> One time quite drunk in Domino's. Leeds edition with my sister I I was absolutely <laughs> outraged that they didn't have any olives I was like almost banging on the counter asking if this was all Domino's or just this Domino's <laughs> I, like they discontinued olives from Domino's <laughs> I'm sure that me and Julia share that one as well yeah I'm sure she was banging at the door of La Caron when they didn't have I don't know vinegar for her oysters that opened her soul what about you? Is there some way that you can say that? About? I can't match that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't match a black olives only pizza from Domino's. My soul remains fully clothed. Clothed? Closed. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. We've, we've done it. We've, <laughs> the parallels are uncanny between the two of you. In another similarity with you, graduated from Cordon Bleu in the 50s. After Le Cordon Bleu, she met Simone Beck and Louisette Bertol, who wrote this book with her. Uh, She met them at a women's cooking club, Le Circle de Gourmet. Oh. Don't know what that means. It's like the gourmet circle. (laughs) They're just like us. Oh my God, they are like us. 
Wow, we're totally on the same vibe as Julia. So the three of them became a little dream team and they spent time teaching Americans how to cook in Paris and a really long time writing this book, which is crazy. Over 10 years, they perfected the recipes for this book, translating things, writing them in this incredible style. Famously, as is in Julie and Julia film, this book gets turned down originally by a publisher who it must be their greatest regret in all of their lives because so they said it was too much like an encyclopedia it wouldn't sell blah 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 I think that was a, quite the setback mm. for the, the cookbook circle of your and <laughs> our ancestors <laughs> But then when it it was published, it obviously became one of the most successful cookbooks of all time. In less than five years, it sold over 100,000 copies. Wow, that's that's amazing. There's two volumes of it. Yeah, like I said, it went on to really influence housewives in particular and how they cooked alongside Judah Child's TV shows, which she went to have quite a lot of and which she filmed in her purpose-built kitchen. It was just this this like daytime TV and and there's a thing, there's a generation of women in America who kind of grew up or kind of lived with Julia Um, and she was so kind of just like them and understandable and I absolutely love this fact that I read so during the 60s when these TV shows she was running these TV shows the technology was such that they weren't edited so all of her blunders and things that went wrong or whatever were all kept in so people just watched them so that's just made her more kind of feel like people knew her yeah so that is her and then yeah this book seems to be a bit much more popular than any of the other books she did some other books along the way but this is quite the book it is all the french food that you've ever heard of or could wish to hear of and all the techniques and everything in a book that looks like a novel it's not your standard cookbook i know that when we both got it right we were like oh my gosh it looks like a novel it's paperback yeah there's no pictures obviously it's like a5 size and i mean i think you could probably read it like a novel to be perfectly honest Mm. like you would just learn so much and i really love the way she writes you can see the level of work that's gone into it you know there's a lot of we have chosen this because yeah perfection of all the recipes and tried and tested like techniques yeah well, it's just wonderful. It's like one of those like, oh, you could pick up any page and you can understand why this recipe is included. I think we've said it for a couple of books now, like How to Eat by Nigella, Simon Hopkinson's Roast Chicken and other stories that they have this kind of encyclopedic nature of, you know, recipes for every ingredient and every technique and all the classics. But this has to take the biscuit for yeah. its full comprehensive rundown of every possible technique, ingredient dish imaginable including aspic which is hilarious yes i love that it has a section on jellies and aspics like it's my favorite thing i was gonna i haven't made one but i was going to because i thought that's fun but i'm obviously just not gonna eat that so (laughs) i feel like those books like hoppy's book and nigella's how to eat and all of these kind of french books that we've talked about and i think we'll talk about more during our list but it seems like having looked at this book they're just trying to emulate this right they're trying to get to a level or a kind of a step down maybe not necessarily nigella but with hoppy like that kind of step away from a more accessible easy to flick through cookbook of this level of technique and french cooking and yes yeah, it's, it's an interesting one can i say i absolutely love the way the recipes are laid out and i've not seen this in in a book before but i don't know why more people don't do it. it's brilliant so usually as we know you get a list of ingredients maybe on one side of the page and then a list of instructions on the other side of the page or they go over a couple of pages in this book the recipe 
you get the little preamble about why it's a good recipe, how you can serve it. You get a little wine pairing at the beginning. And then the ingredients are listed above the step that you do to use the ingredients. Yeah. So if the first step involves just butter, probably does, <laughs> onions and eggs, I don't know, then th- only those three ingredients will be listed. Then what you do with those. And then, then the next step will be the ingredients and the step. And I love that. I do too. It took it took me by surprise when I first looked at my first recipe. I was like, oh, this is just a two ingredient job. But you turn the page and you're like, oh no, there's a lot more going on here. But it is, it's, it's very practical. I loved it too. That was one of the things I wanted to speak to you about because it just means that you just really get the flow of the recipe and you're not like flicking back or looking back up to see what you, what you need at any point. It felt like I knew where I was at all times. Yeah. I could keep the book open on the page that I was on. More recipe books like that please. Absolutely. Bring it back. One thing I did observe that I can solidly say about Julia is that she loves a fireproof casserole dish. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she was setting on fire. I don't know how flammable a lot of these dishes are were, but my lord, there are a lot of fireproof casserole dishes in this book. So yeah, had to go out and buy one of them. <laughs> Just at your local Wilco's. Like, excuse me, do you have any fireproof casserole dishes? I've been using this paper one for way too long. I do think it may need a modern update at some point firstly because we know how I feel about pictures <laughs> I feel like you could have pictures in this and it would work but secondly I think and I'd maybe talk a little bit about this in my recipe section but I just felt like ovens maybe have different strengths <laughs> the fire ovens of 1950s France maybe are a bit different to my electric fan oven <laughs> in my purpose-built flat but that's all just a, and also everything's obviously an imperial metrics so yeah ounces and pounds yeah. and things like that so there's a lot of conversion to do not if you're american which you know they still use all that so but it's sometimes a little bit challenging when it's like the raw ingredient like aubergine or onions or something because sometimes when i'm in the shop i have no idea what a pound of aubergine looks like or a quart of something i don't i still don't know what that means <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is this episode if not a pitch for us to be able to redo this book? No, but I mean, I feel like I have no interest in cooking through it all that I have. There's way too much dairy in this for me. <laughs> oh my God. I thought of that so much when I was leaping through. I was like, Vic's going to fucking die with the amount of cream and butter. No spice. nothing so Hannah what did you cook okay so it's such a massive book right it's like 500 and something recipes right like 520 something what I love about it is the things like the sections on like sauces or dressings and things like that that I think you could just come back to again and again it's divided up by ingredient a la hoppy or dish sometimes as well and there is quite a lot of meaty stuff in here as well and fishy stuff as is french cookings want (laughs) they don't suffer vegetarians gladly but um i made and i know you're gonna make a joke about this I know this is going to feed into previous jokes and that was not my intention when I chose to do it. (laughs) But it's a classic, so I decided to make ratatouille. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that, but I really liked it. Of course. I mean, of course you made ratatouille. 
What's interesting about this is that she says, like, I don't know, I'm assuming that some of our listeners will have watched Julie and Julia, but basically she takes on the, the lead character in this film, Julie, takes on this book and decides to cook from it every weekend and blog about it. Or I don't know if it's at the weekend, but I assume <laughs> that it would be because I my main takeaway from this was how much time did that woman have in her life? Because every recipe in all its glorious details and care is quite time consuming. I think her relationship suffers in the film and I'm just going to say I'm not surprised because that (laughs) woman must not have left the kitchen. But what Julia Charles says in the preamble to the ratatouille recipe is that this is one of the quicker recipes to make, which in retrospect, I'm quite surprised by. But I mean, I think your modern ratatouille recipe, I I don't actually think I've made ratatouille before. So that's why I decided to make it. Just thought about it. Uh, Day and night, (laughs) ma'am. And I thought this would just be a really good classic one to start with. But my impression of ratatouille recipes is you just kind of bash everything in a pot and you like let it all kind of stew up, like probably in different orders or whatever. That is not the case with this one. Of course. (laughs) It's really not. You start out with aubergines and courgettes, you salt them, you soak them, you drain them. And then you get your, surprisingly not a fireproof casserole dish just yet, but um, a frying pan. And then you saute the aubergines and the courgettes in phases so that's that takes a while Mm. then you take them out you do onions green peppers garlic you cook them down by this point my attention span and energy levels (laughs) are starting to waver a little bit and then you get to the tomatoes which I then realized the the one downfall of that kind of order of the ingredients being dispersed throughout the recipe is that sometimes you realize you were meant to have done something and it's too late because you're already at the stage so I got to the tomatoes and I saw that they were meant to be peeled, seeded and juiced. And I was like, oh no, no, Julia, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. I'm afraid they're just going in holes. (laughs) Oh, Jules. In they go. In they went. And then you cook everything and then you kind of layer it up then in your fireproof casserole dish. And then it cooks with the lid on and lid off. And it becomes quite, rather than being that kind of mush of diced ingredients, there is... Mm some structure to it and you've got the layers and it reduces down quite a lot so it's not just like a big old you know soupy mix and actually Mm. uh, of course I knew it would be good but I was really pleasantly surprised by the depth of flavor for literally just vegetables that you know with nothing else going on in there watery vegetables as well like a courgette and an aubergine and tomatoes yeah. yeah totally but I took the first bite and was like whoa actually I get it now this is really good like it, it was worth all the work definitely but it is a commitment had my little Remy moment obviously <laughs> tasting it being transported to south of France but that one was yeah, really good. And I would definitely recommend it. I think if you're going to make ratatouille, this is probably a great way to do it. And you've got six hours. And you've got some time on your hands. Yeah, I personally don't think you need to do the peeling, seeding and juicing of the tomatoes. I'm not sure what that brings. Similarly, I kind of forgot that I was meant to have peeled my aubergine. I'm just terrible. I'm just terrible at this. <laughs> I shouldn't be sitting talking to anyone about food. But again, having realised that now, I still don't think that detracted from the dish. And if it saves you a little bit of time, then why not just go for it and make this one? So I would really recommend that one. It was really, really delicious. How did you eat it? With some bread or? I did eat it with some bread, but I actually ate it on the side of the second thing that I made. Oh, I jumped the gun. 
No, I only made two things because they were such a commitment. Like it was mm. a lot of work and it took like an entire Saturday, basically almost to make all this stuff. Yeah, same. So the second thing that I made was the Pisaldier Niçoise, which oh. is like um, a tart with, it's in the quiche section. But it's not actually a quiche because it doesn't have eggs. You'll be pleased to hear. No dairy present here, Victoria. Wow. It's an onion tart with anchovies and black olives. Domino's would be proud. (laughs) A French Domino's, if you will. Oh, shit. (laughs) You're right. So I've made a variation on this before years ago from Rachel Allen's book, Bake, actually, which is another really brilliant cookbook. But I was interested to try. And the pastry man is so good. Honestly, it was so great. It's practically like equal parts butter and flour. Oh, Oh my God. It was just excellent. I really love that. And then you caramelize a load of onions. Another thing I love about Julia Child is that she's realistic in how long it actually takes to caramelize onions so many recipes say caramelized onions and they're like you know seven eight minutes and that just does not happen it takes like a solid hour especially the scale like this this is like two pounds of onions David Chang style yeah my my flatmate just heard me say oh fuck (laughs) I was like I've got to chop some more onions (laughs) because I'd done some for the ratatouille and then had to do it for this obviously so yeah you just caramelize loads of onions with like a bouquet garni of herbs Mm. and garlic and then you discard them which just adds some extra flavor and you you make your pastry you have to make the pastry chill it then you partially blind bake the tart shell and then you add in you just spread all your lovely caramelized onions all over the base and then you do like a nice pattern of the anchovies on top like a diamond pattern nice and you put black olives in between the gaps and oh it's just so good it was really really delicious sounds amazing yeah the pastry really made it because it was just thin and buttery and flaky and just all the things that you want in good pastry but I mean it's not for the faint-hearted that recipe because anchovies are obviously really strong if that's not your thing you're you're not gonna like this dish but (laughs) I loved it I love anchovies that with the the ratatouille was an amazing meal and I had like leftovers and the ratatouille I was eating it for like a couple of days after and just like putting it on toast with feta on top amazing oh yeah that sounds great they were my two things that I made by the end of it I was very much like I'm done now. This was lovely, Julia. I'll be back, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm going to go to Jamie's 15-minute meals for (laughs) for next weekend. (laughs) There was an interesting article that I came across just before this called Why You'll Never Cook from Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Yes, I saw that. On Slate. And it's an incredible book. It's so lovely to read you can see the level of work that's gone into it but yeah each recipe is a total commitment and that's what they speak about in this article about you know things being described as like an entry-level dish and they still take six hours bear that in mind if you are thinking about buying it this is an incredible reference point but you're probably not going to be using it every weekend I don't think and it's good to know about like the pastry, for example, that is a good recipe. So it's good. It'd be worth it even for that. Like if you, yeah, if you want to make a pastry yeah. shell for something, whatever you're making, like we've talked about it before, like sometimes for making something like pastry, which is so volatile, when a chef doesn't describe it in the right way or, or you know, skips a step that you should know, but you don't because you're not a professional chef. Whereas this is like, you're kind of guided every step of the way and, and it turns out great. Absolutely. Like we spoke about there not being pictures, but there are illustrations. 
friends. Yes. And in the pastry section, there's like two or three pages dedicated to how you make your pastry, like step by step with illustrations of how you should kind of line your pastry tin. She's really holding your hand through the whole process, which is yeah. a nice warm and fuzzy feeling. I really appreciate that, actually, the whole like <laughs> the diagrams. And that's how you know it's so well thought out because you get the diagrams exactly when you need them. The pastry, there's one for like how to prepare an artichoke when you're doing an omelette, like all, all of the exact places that uh, I haven't done artichokes again. <laughs> no, no, sir. I'm looking at Victoria with a very pointed look <laughs> about artichokes, considering in the last episode, she talked about having an emotional breakdown from Jamie Oliver's description of how to prep artichokes. I have not done an artichoke dish because I'm scarred for life. Thanks, Jamie. I'm calling for a mini-sode <laughs> on Jamie's preparation <laughs> instructions versus Julia Child. Jamie v. Julia, the throwdown. Yes, that's an IGTV wig to have. Like a, a headless me trying to wrestle with these fucking artichokes. <laughs> the tears just openly falling down on the counter. My blood is just all over as well because uh, there's not a knife sharp enough to cut through fucking artichokes. I'm fine anyway. I'm all right. Doing okay. What did you make, Vic? So I also made two things and it was very almost only one thing for all of the same reasons that you just said. Like a lot of my life has been dedicated to these dishes. Um, <laughs> we have jobs as well. Let's just put that out there. We do. So I don't know in which order to go, but let me talk about the less time consuming one. So I made myself her scrambled eggs this morning for breakfast. Oh yeah, I wanted to do this. Yeah. <sighs> What a recipe. Again, it's the same thing. Like if I was hungover and I just wanted some nice scrambled eggs, like don't do this basically is the, <laughs> is the answer. Like I'm going to preface this with a few things that I know about myself before I go into it. So I firstly went into this knowing that I really like scrambled eggs. They're my favorite kind of eggs. Mm-hmm. But secondly, what we know about me is I don't really like butter that much. Yeah. And thirdly, what I know <laughs> is that French style scrambled eggs are quite buttery and rich and like creamy. Mm-hmm. So I know all that. So don't be shouting at your phones or whatever. Here's how it goes. The recipe asks for eight eggs. That's another thing about this book is that they're all big recipes, right? Absolutely. Very, very big yeah. for lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. I did not cook eight eggs. I halved the recipe. So you start off, you can either put all the eggs in. So eight full eggs or seven eggs and two yolks. Mm. So you, you get the level of like richness we're going for. It's literally only eggs and butter or cream in the end if if you'd like to so that is also quite different to scrambled eggs I'm used to anyway you put the whisked eggs into a uh fireproof casserole dish well pretty much yeah like a heavy bottomed casserole dish which you've put lots and lots of butter on the sides and and around the outside less there's not enough richness is it You put that over a moderately low heat until it kind of starts to thicken into a custard. And then you kind of rapidly whip it or like, you know, stir it, whip it. You don't whip it, you stir it. You stir it very quickly. On the heat. On and off the heat. You have to consistently move it on and off the heat. This is what I'm saying. If you're hungover, don't do this. There's a lot of moving. You're quite heavy, like pan, on and off the heat to get the consistency. It took me a lot longer than I thought it would. I think because I had the heat on too low and I did have a a thick bottomed pan so I think it just wasn't getting hot enough you get it to the consistency you want Mm. you take it off the heat you let it to kind of sit and thicken for a bit and then you add more butter Mm -hmm. which will stop it cooking or cream gotcha and then you are supposed to put it in a warm buttered dish Jesus Christ (laughs) and serve it straight away 
I didn't put it into a hot butter dish. Sorry, Jules. The taste, I couldn't finish. I, I couldn't finish because I knew how rich they would be. So I put it on toast. I added some kimchi and some um, seaweed salt because I was like, oh, that'll help <laughs> cut through the richness. But yeah, I could only eat half of the eggs because wow. they were so, they, they weren't super, super buttery, but they were that exact kind of what I would just imagine as French scrambled eggs. Like, because yeah. you've turned it into what is essentially a custard. And then, but if you're trying to impress someone for, bre- you know, old <laughs> cooked a bank, you should put this recipe on this website because whilst it does take a while, I would be impressed if someone served that to me. Yeah. Very fancy scrambled eggs. Yeah. The reason I asked about whether it was on or off the heat is because I've read some nerdy articles about like different chefs, best scrambled eggs recipes. And Gordon Ramsay's one is like that where you take it on and off the heat and it's very kind of slow and low. And yeah, the result is super creamy. So I imagine he probably got, you know, the origins of that from something like this. I guess so. Yeah. Again, this goes back to like what different ovens and hobs are like, because I have an electric hob. Mm. So taking something on and off the heat is not maybe as effective as with a gas, because like if you take it off the heat, the like electric, the heat kind of stops for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to wait a minute to get it. Really impressive. Probably wouldn't make them for myself again, but if I was like hosting mm. like a brunch or something, yeah. because you can make a lot at a time. 64 eggs and you're off. <laughs> yeah. And I start a B&B. <laughs> Julia Child B&B. <laughs> There's an idea. Because for dinner, you could have my second recipe, which is, of course, I, I feel like we couldn't do this episode without me doing the beef bourguignon. Um, I say me because obviously Hannah isn't going to do it. I'm sorry you're always lumped with these. It was the same with Hoppy's roast chicken. <laughs> you are me correspondent. <laughs> name of our plan <laughs> the meat correspondent sounds like a serial killer which you know you i am is what <laughs> never have i apologized to the world more than when ordering the ingredients for this recipe <laughs> because again it's for a lot of people i think i had to order a kilogram and a half of casserole beef wow anyway look i'm sorry and it was delicious in the end so <laughs> It's also quite the fucking process. Like in the article about why you'll never cook from Mastering the Art of French Cooking, it shouts this out as being this like entry level easy thing. But it literally took me seven hours. It's a long old dish. And while some of that time is spent with, you know, the the oven is doing all the work whilst it's like baking in there. But Julia gives you more recipes to make whilst it's in the oven. Then they get added to it. So here's the lowdown basically on the process. So you fry off some lardons. Wait, hold on you boil the lardons first you're supposed to boil like a whole thing of bacon and then cut the rind off but i couldn't find that so i just went on with lardons because then the rind goes back in right so you you fry off the lardons and then you fry off again a bit like your ratatouille like individually kind of have to get the meat browned in your fireproof casserole dish kind of batch at a time and that's a lot of meat to do that with yeah you pop it all back together and then you add some seasonings and then flour the the meat right yeah pop that in the oven it goes in for about eight minutes you mix it halfway through to like coat the meat in that and then you again i think you season it and then you've got your stock or your your liquid which is wine and beef stock Mm -hmm. so again more 
cows. Sorry about that. And then that goes in the oven for three to four hours. Wow, yeah. Now, I put it in for three hours and I I checked it and got it out at three hours. And then what you're supposed to do... Oh, I'm a bit annoyed about this. Uh No, it all worked out in the end. It's all fine. But you're supposed to take it out and drain the meat over a saucepan. And then what you've got left in the saucepan is your sauce, basically, because it's quite a saucy dish. Yeah. I had no liquid. So that was a shame. But like I said, it said three to four hours. The the meat was done. Mm. So I don't know if I just left it in for too long. Mm. Again, I think it might be an oven thing. Yeah. But it was fine because I just made up some more stock and kind of thickened that up and, and popped it in there. And I am team less saucy with like a stew. I, I you know, that's what your t-shirt says. <laughs> yeah, team less saucy, less saucy. <laughs> it's actually in French. Less saucy. Oh <laughs> so that was an annoying disaster. It wasn't a disaster. That was an annoying thing because I honestly followed this recipe to the letter. And so whilst it's in the oven, you don't get to sit down and have a relaxing Saturday afternoon. No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, contraire. <laughs> there is two recipes which you must prepare in the meantime, <laughs> which are then added to the stew. One is a very kind of simple mushrooms cooked in butter. That was fairly simple. I've got no, I've got no complaints about that. And then the second one is these brown glazed onions, which is quite, quite the effort, but the payoff is good. So she wants you to get 24 small onions. Yeah. Wow. And luckily I found little onions. Uh, well, luckily for someone, the people eating it, not me the person had to peel 24 (laughs) tiny onions So you have to peel 24 onions, pickled onion size, and leave them whole. And then you brown them off in some butter, of course, and oil and get them kind of kind of charred and brown. She says mm-hmm. maybe at least three times in this recipe that you cannot expect them to brown evenly. So I didn't because okay. they're round, you know, they roll around. Thanks for the physics lesson. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I think Julia would have wanted it. And then once they're all browned and lovely, you braise them in a liquid of your choice. So wine, oh. stock. <laughs> I think that's that's the options but any kind of stock any kind of wine and then like yeah a little herb bouquet you braise them for an hour or so and they go into the beef organon so they keep their shape but this is a whole separate recipe in the book that she's got other things that you can do with these onions and they are so good oh, really? yeah I would I mean if I didn't have to go through the effort of peeling them I would probably make them again to do something with because they're just also just a fun little stack so I braise them in wine but whatever you'd want with you was vegetable stock so they were really really nice and so they class as a, se- a second recipe anyway so i'd actually did three recipes so i'm the best mm, you win <laughs> yeah so your meat's ready to come out the oven you drain you make your sauce and you add your mushrooms your onions and your sauce all together and mix it up bring it to a simmer i think and then you're good to go Ooh. you serve it with some thyme on top did you eat it with some potatoes <laughs> no <laughs> she does suggest that smashed new potatoes and I think that's mm. honestly my worst like, honestly that is my worst nightmare <laughs> new potatoes really fucking hate new potatoes I'm sorry they're the worst kind of potatoes oh, you want your old potatoes do you you want them nice and old <laughs> yeah I want my big chubby boy <laughs> mature potatoes <laughs> 
Yeah, with their like nice thick skins, those fucking baby potatoes. And if if that is ever on a menu anywhere I go, like oh with smashed new potatoes or just you know herbed new potatoes. Wow, that is a niche dislike. Honestly, there's a picture in, and you know we keep talking about Jamie Oliver's book, which is really uncomparable to this book we're talking about. But there's a picture in that Jamie Oliver book of herbed new potato salad thing, and I honestly had the most visceral reaction to it. It made me feel sick. like it's just not they're not an interesting food the further we go on with this the more i realize our tastes are just so different like it's it, yeah it's good it's good we've got a, a range of views portrayed to this I mean, podcast but i love you potato i mean i don't i wouldn't order it like as a side dish but you know it's a lovely little thing lovely little lovely little thing do you like walk past new potatoes in the supermarket you're like oh oh i must get them i could i can think of a million things i would love to eat these with obviously i spend a lot of time in the potato section of the supermarket i'm not walking past anything okay? of course but um, when i see a little bag of new potatoes i'm like oh hey little fellas you'd just be nice with just boiled with some butter and like salt oh my god Vic's making a, a the worst face honestly you're a monster but anyway let's move okay okay right what did you do so i didn't eat it with any potatoes is the answer (laughs) what i did get to do Mm. so i made this on the saturday and i left it overnight and we ate it with some friends on the sunday amazing i got to see people it's very exciting what were the reviews reviews were it's fucking nice (laughs) no you can't go wrong with a, a delicious stew and obviously i'd have been pissed off if they'd said it was shit because i spent about seven hours working on it like just be polite please (laughs) but it's an absolutely massive recipe and so we we even brought some back and made it into a pie the day after as well so we had loads left it just kept getting better and better obviously yeah yeah i'll try it with corn I'm sorry. You can make the onions. Maybe you could make the onions and some new potatoes and a little, have a little round things dinner. Spherical dinners are my fave. <laughs> what, would you, what, would th- what would your vegetable be? I've got two of them in there already. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm fine. So, yes, I'd make it again if I had a lot of time. And it was, you know, the winter time and had people coming over. And yeah, absolutely, I would make it again. But yeah, I didn't enjoy buying that much beef just because Mm. um, there's there's no secret that I eat meat. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to the cows and the environment. To our bovine listeners. (laughs) I love you all. I'm sorry. But you were delicious. anything that you would have liked to have cooked yes there were some scalloped potato dishes (laughs) (laughs) but i promise they were full size they were full size potatoes (laughs) some nice old scalloped potatoes (laughs) there's just loads of variations on that that look really nice with cheese and again like lots of olives and thyme and anchovies and things that whole section there was a leek quiche which looked interesting and then you made a similar one for hoppy so Mm. i would be interested to compare them there was some lovely fruit 
tarts in the kind of dessert section like peach ones and strawberry that having made her pastry now I think would just be great and there was also like these oh my god they're potato cheese sticks (laughs) all my chat has been about potatoes I'm so sorry (laughs) but they're just like little parmentier like little nibble things like cheese sticks basically oh nice yeah but she put some mashed potato in there the recipe makes about 60 and I don't know that many people (laughs) so that would be a fun night in for me but <laughs> yeah there was there were a good few things but it, it's the type of book that you leaf through loads and you find something new every time so I don't even really feel like I've reached the tip of the iceberg with this one it's massive yeah it, it definitely is just yeah if you need to know how to make a hollandaise or yeah. or whatever it's a great reference book at the same time what about you was there anything that you'd like to make there was so I really wanted to make a tart tatan because they're my fave and I don't think I've made anything sweet for the pod yet oh yeah so I should probably do that. I saw this other dessert that I found out probably she just made up. It was, it's called a pudding alsacian, gratin of sauteed potatoes, a cold dessert. Gratin of sauteed potatoes? No, apples. Apples. <laughs> <laughs> I just said talking about potatoes. Apples. It's a gratin of sauteed apples. And I Googled this because I wanted to see what it looked like. Hmm. And it doesn't seem to exist. There's a Alsacian pudding exists. It's a bread and butter pudding. So I'm, I, you know, I've got a respect that mm. she just made something up and, and gave it a French name. Yeah, there was some good like things with Brussels sprouts, I thought, and ways to cook a duck, for example. Yeah. Um, calf's brains featured heavily. Did you notice that? Little shout out to Hoppy. Yeah. That. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> there's just, there's just everything. Like more of the eggs I thought were great. Yeah. There's an egg dish, shirred eggs that mm. I was interested in making. It was like grilled eggs. Yeah. You cook them on the hob and then put them under a grill, but you needed a four inch pan. And I think only your mate Remy would have a <laughs> four inch pan to make an egg dish in. Yeah. To be shirred. <laughs> Shaken, not shirred. <laughs> Shall we rate? Let's rate. How do our ratings work, Victoria? (laughs) So, each episode, we rate the book that we're talking about out of five somethings. We change the something based on the cookbook. So, Jamie Oliver, we had... Photos of Jamie. And for Nigel Slater, we had... Farmer's Market. (laughs) Farmer's Market. So, I think you can probably guess what we're going to do for Julia Child. Hannah, drum roll, please. (laughs) It's five for casserole dishes. <laughs> the ratings, are, as I said, are five, and they are based on usability and accessibility. That's one. The ingredients, whether they're available, accessible, good. Aesthetics, uh, are they veggie friendly? And then our new little guy, which is inspirability. Do we feel like we want to cook from it? Do we want to come back to it? Do we feel like there's lots more to do on it? So Hannah, how many fireproof casserole dishes do you give this book? It's a tricky one. The only points I would take away from this book, if I had to be very true to our rating system, would be veggie friendliness, maybe. But then I think, you know, there's eggs in there. There's there's a lot of desserts. There's a lot of veggies. So maybe like a half mark for veggie friendliness. Mm-hmm. I think you could, it depends on your taste with aesthetics but I actually think that aesthetically this book is kind of pleasing because it's a really cute little book from the outside and you'd be really happy to have it on your shelf and then the diagrams and the way everything is laid out is is just nice and easy to digest usability and accessibility again is another one because you know like I said you're not going to be coming to this for your weeknight dinner so 
I think maybe I'm going to knock off a half mark for usability and accessibility and a half mark for veggie friendliness. And I'm going to give it four fireproof casserole dishes. Four. That's a big one. It is a big one. I do have mixed feelings on this book in that I don't know if I'm going to cook from it very much, but I definitely don't want to not have it. I Mm. think it's such a lovely book to browse through. I appreciate how much work has gone into it. I love how this changed a whole scene, a whole food scene of how people cooked in America which I think is incredible yeah it has to have some props for that so yeah I'm standing by my four what about you yeah similar points off I guess for me so I I'm going to take a point off for usability and accessibility because of just the time all the recipes take yeah and also there are some tricky techniques in there and some equipment that people may not have so I think that's important to note so yes for me for ingredients so that's a full point I was going to take a whole point off for aesthetics but actually I just waxed lyrical earlier on about how I loved the way that it's like laid out so I I can't not I can't say that that's no point so that has to get half a point I was going to take your lead on veggie friendly so I've left that point in okay because it was a difficult one for me because obviously there's a whole section on vegetables but they don't seem to be the star of the show yeah I think for me though if I put it in context of the time there probably are more veggie recipes than I expected there to be for Mm. something that was written like what 70 years ago so yeah I appreciate that I appreciate thank you (laughs) um and am I inspired by it no not really uh we know my feelings on the institution of French cooking and we know my feelings on too much cream and cheese and all that stuff yeah but I agree with you I'm happy to have it on my shelf I may go back to it for things like beef bourguignon or you know the the kind of big classics that like aren't you can't fuck with really but am I gonna do my scrambled eggs with my bit of milk and you know tasting like shit then yeah I will actually so it gets three from me it gets three fireproof casserole dishes out of five this is good though I think we've rated the same each of the last few episodes so I'm glad that we're back at our slightly differing views on things (laughs) it's where we feel most comfortable (laughs) potatoes rates (laughs) so what books next Hannah tell us the next book is very exciting I think it's probably a little bit more recent than some of our other books that we've done lately and it's one that I've heard loads about but I don't own a copy yet coming in the post this Wednesday so this, uh, <laughs> it was very important when it came out and I feel like I don't know very much about it and it's, it's kind of been a bit over my head so I'm really excited to read the book and I want to watch a little bit of the Netflix series and the book is Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by <laughs> Samin Nosrat, who we, well, I don't know if we do, but I love her and recently watched her on Michelle Obama's new kids TV show about food, mo- waffles and mochi <gasps> and cried. So, wow, yeah, so it's going to be an emotional one. <laughs> I need to watch that. I don't know if I love her yet because I just don't think that I know enough. So I'm really intrigued to see what the book is like. I'm excited. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a good one. Quite the different vibe to Julia Child. Less butter, less cream. We hoping for that. Well, we hope so, but we'll we'll see. They might be the fat, but at least they'll be balanced with the salt, acid, and heat. Hopefully, hey, always bringing it back. <laughs> if you want to actually make any of the recipes that we talk about on the podcast, we have started adding them to our website, thecookbookcircle.com. I'll try before you buy. <laughs> 
the recipes that we add, we it's if we can find an online version, which there often is from the chef themselves. Someone like Nigel Slater is really easy because all of his recipes are on the Guardian website. For other chefs, less so people like David Chang. But often bloggers have their own take on a recipe and it's pretty similar in the credits. So we'll link to those if we can. And there's the occasional recipe that we can't find. Sorry, pals. It's a little one-stop shop for all the recipes from the pod. The cookbookcircle.com. You can also listen to the podcast there. It's for all of your podcast cookbook circle recipe needs. One stop shop. Right. Right. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the cookbook circle. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review as it helps others to find us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram at cookbook circle. And if you make anything from the books we talk about, please don't forget to tag us. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.